Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I totally understand that the big news around Georgia football here on this Friday morning ahead of playing Kentucky is an injury to Tyke Smith that's going to keep him off the field for the rest of the season. We'll give you the reporting from Dog Nation on that coming in a moment, and I'll give you the best attempt I have at a silver lining on this. I will do that here coming up in a little bit. It's the big story. It has to be talked about. We will. However, total confession here. It's also a Friday. George's got a huge game on Saturday. Everybody's, you know, heading towards Athens for this. There's a gigantic list of recruits. There's there's so much fun going down. Can we start with something fun and then get to the Tyke Smith thing later? Is that too inappropriate to do that way here today? Hopefully you'll allow us to do that because I still think in light of the Smith thing, I still think there is still a lot of fun that can be had on this Friday getting ready for Georgia and Kentucky on Saturday. So hopefully you don't mind me having some fun to begin with here, and then we'll kind of move into the Smith stuff later on and obviously uh, spend a lot of time on UGA recruiting today with Jeff Sintel coming up in just a little bit too. Because last night, we were doing Cover 4 Live. And admittedly, there's a lot going on this time of year. I have a hard time keeping up with it all. I mean, just between trying to like do my job and follow Georgia football in its 2022 class, uh, and between like the other sports thing that I'm paying pretty close attention to right now, which is the Braves moving in the National League Championship Series, uh, you know, that's a pretty full meal as it is. I'm paying very close attention to those things. And there are some other things that, uh, kind of just kind of escape me. I'm a pretty big sports fan. I like following the world of sports, but when you get like deep into October, it becomes very hard for me to keep up with everything that's going on because I want to follow the Braves from a, from a, hobby standpoint professionally speaking I've got to follow everything that's going on with college football and I, and I love doing that but that means some other stuff kind of falls by the wayside for instance I have no idea who even played on Thursday night NFL football last night I think the Eagles were part of it because I saw people talking about Jalen Hurts on Twitter for a moment but beyond that I just sort of missed that game it just kind of escaped me the other thing that I just kind of escaped last night was I had forgotten that Collins Hill and North Gwinnett two great programs from the Gwinnett County area that they were appearing on ESPN2 last night, big national broadcast. And so we're getting ready to start Cover 4 Live. In fact, the show had just started. Lo and behold, there's this chatter all of a sudden, and Jeff Sintel had this on Twitter. I'll show you some of this video. Lo and behold, as that game is getting ready to get going there on ESPN2, the big national TV audience for a very big high school game in the Gwinnett County area, two schools that are pretty close geographically speaking and have been kind of maybe rivals over the years, Lo and behold, you got Kirby Smart showing up and has become Kirby style a bit, not showing up in a in a pickup truck or anything like that. He's coming down from the sky. I think we have some of this video. Can we show this here for a little bit? So here is Jeff on this. Let's take a look at this. Uh, you see the the helicopter in the sky coming down to land. It's almost like following one of those like UFOs or something. And there's uh, Kirby on the field, you know, uh, shaking some hands, looking good. He's the one there in the gray. You see him a little bit closer right there. This was good stuff from Jeff Sintel on his uh, Twitter feed of Kirby Smart making the appearance and making a big high school game on ESPN2 seem even bigger because of his presence. And obviously there was a lot of chatter about the fact that uh, Smart was kind of there to presumably see Travis Hunter, the five-star wide receiver, defensive back, you can call him an athlete, who's injured for Collins Hill right now but was present there in Swanee last night for that game. 
and is expected to take the visit to Georgia once again on Saturday. This will be two consecutive home games. That Hunter, the top player in the state of Georgia, one of the one or two top players in the entire country. And this was just really interesting. It was a very interesting way to start Cover 4 Live last night. It was a good job by Jeff securing that video. Uh, however it was, they got permission to do that. Uh, good stuff from Jeff Sintel on that front all the way around. And obviously the, the big question here is, well, does this mean that Georgia is actually in the race for Travis Hunter? A guy who at one point in time said he wouldn't even take Nick Saban's phone call because he was that committed to Florida State and has reaffirmed that commitment to Florida State over and over and over and over again. And we'll get to more of that here coming up in a moment. Does this mean that Georgia's actually in it for Hunter? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. We'll find out more from Jeff about that in a bit. But here's the thing that's the most interesting to me when it comes to Kirby Smart landing the Kirby copter there for the game last night on ESPN2 between North Gwinnett and Collins Hill. To me, this shows that Kirby Smart plays what I'm going to call the game better than anybody in the world. Nobody does this better than Kirby Smart. Because think about what this weekend kind of already is for Georgia. Number one team in the country, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. ESPN College game day back in Athens for the second time in three weeks for the second consecutive home game. You do not get a bigger platform on a college football Saturday than that. Game day starts at nine. Game day does not like, and a lot of you know this, game day does not like being on site of games that the ESPN family of networks are not broadcasting. They don't like giving free pub to another TV network. So when they choose to do a game that CBS is doing or a game that Fox might be doing, they're making the choice they feel like they have to make because of how big the game might be in comparison to the other games that are taking place there that weekend. But it's not the preference they would have. And in this particular case, certainly they would have preferred to go somewhere else other than Georgia for a second consecutive home game and for the third time in total for this year. But they felt like they had to because that is how big the game was uh, or the game is this upcoming Saturday. So it's game day. It's CBS 330, which is still the biggest spot you can be in on SEC football. As long as CBS has that contract, that's going to remain true. And it's the number one team in the country. And it's funny to see here how Smart's attitude on some of this kind of stuff is a little bit different than the attitude of the average fan. Because there are some fans, and I feel like you've actually heard less of this as the week has gone on. I think fans have gotten more comfortable with the role that George is playing right now, the spot that it is in in college football. But at one point in time, early in the week, there was some chatter of, oh, is this all just too much, too much attention? I'm not even going to say the thing that sometimes gets described as a way of describing the praise that a, that a team like this gets this time of year, but just the overall hype, the overall attention, number one, CBS, ESPN game day, uh, SEC Nation. George is going to be simultaneously covered on both the SEC Network and ESPN, which is a little bit of a weird thing in its own right. Is all of this just, just more than any one football team should have on a Saturday? And that's what some fans have worried about. But simultaneous to that, Kirby Smart has said, hey, what can I do to make the game seem even bigger? I mean, and, and, and this is the game that Kirby Smart plays so well. Even though in his press conference he comes across as buttoned up and Mr. Football and about the X's and O's and, and you know, totally, uh, you know, unaware of anything else that might be happening around the periphery of the game, deep down Smart is a showman at heart. And deep down, Smart is a very business-minded man at, at heart. But it's the showman side of Smart that comes out here. Because knowing that there are TV cameras there, knowing that Travis Hunter is there, knowing that Hunter is also going to be back in Athens on Saturday, why not shine a big spotlight on all of this? 
And Kirby Smart's already encouraged fans, as he has all season long, to be loud and make the great home field advantage and 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 create the kind of the circus atmosphere around Athens. But why not make it an even bigger circus by going and putting a big spotlight on one of the recruits that's going to be there? And you'll once again circle back to, well, B.A., does this mean that Travis Hunter is going to go to Georgia? Does it mean that Travis Hunter may want to transfer to Georgia if things don't work out at Florida State? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. We don't know any of that right now. I mean, all this, I think, is to be determined. And as Hunter has put out on Twitter, and you saw this a moment ago, he's kind of you know reaffirmed himself to, to Florida State here once again, which would lead some credence to say, well, all of this effort by Georgia might end up you know, leading to some sort of unrequited request that that Georgia makes its pitch to Hunter, but Hunter gives him the stiff arm and goes to Florida State anyway. But so much of this stuff is about more than just one recruit. So much of this kind of stuff is about creating Georgia as kind of the place to be, kind of the place where the, I compared it to a circus a moment ago, kind of the place that's just putting on the biggest show and landing a helicopter on ESPN before the big game on Saturday is just an example of making what's already a pretty big show, making it even bigger. And whether Hunter comes to Georgia or not, whether Hunter is all that impressed by any of this or or not, you better believe other recruits are noticing this. And you better believe that there's, I mean, so much of life is is powered by the FOMO thing, the fear of missing out. You better believe with all of the chatter around Georgia right now for the recruits that won't be there, but I believe a few of them kind of wish they were. And for the recruits that see the attention that some guys are getting, a lot of those guys are like, hey, what do I need to do to get that same level of attention from Georgia, which I believe is a very, very good thing. So the bottom line on all this is we're going to talk more about Jeff Sintel or to Jeff Sintel about all this in a moment. It's not just Hunter. Luther Burden's in town on Saturday. Mikael Williams is in town on Saturday. The list is as long as my arm, literally speaking, of all the elite recruits that are going to be there. And just when you think the show couldn't get any bigger – as big as it gets in all 50 states, over-the-air broadcast network and CBS, starting at 9 a.m., the ESPN's College Game Day, SEC Nation running concurrent to that on the SEC network. Just when you think the show couldn't get any bigger, Kirby Smart gets in his helicopter and says, watch me make it even bigger now. Watch me hype this thing even up even more. This is a fun time to be a Georgia fan because Kirby Smart's really good at cultivating fun. Kirby Smart understands the currency that fun is. Everybody wants to be at the cool party. And right now, Georgia's doing a very good job of making its program seem like the cool place to be. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger and Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start at 9.45 in the morning on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app as a part of our first in 15. Just really appreciate you checking us out via video, however you are, and, of course, podcast platforms there as well. The on-demand audio way, way to listen to the show, it's the Apple Player, it's Google, it's Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Some of you listen directly on SoundCloud. However, you get to us, included when we post the show at DogNation.com. That's a cool option there, too. And of course, our friends on the radio in Athens, always a great pleasure to be on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref every single day at noon. We appreciate that there as well, at least Monday through Friday. We enjoy doing that. Big thanks to Kroger for making it all possible as you head towards the Halloween season. Remember, as we're rolling through college football, we're also getting ready for Halloween. It's the kind of thing in my house we never quite forget about, right? Costumes have been long since picked out. Uh, plans. It's kind of funny. Like Halloween's become like this season of events. 
seems like for kids these days. And so we're deep into the Halloween excitement here. And in fact, we're looking forward to restocking on some of our Halloween goods back at Kroger once again. Get those shopping carts, get them all filled up and with great savings, like 30% off the candy and the decorations, everything else you need. Why wouldn't you do that? So check out Kroger.com slash Halloween for more on that. Kroger.com slash Halloween for more on that. Well stocked shelves, great looking store, so much fun. Holiday decor, like right there in the middle where you can really see it and get stocked up on everything you need. We certainly appreciate our friends from Kroger doing all of that. It's a pleasure to tell you about them each and every Friday here on Dog Nation Daily. All right, we will tell you more about UG Recruiting here coming up in just a little bit. We'll get Jeff Sintel, and we'll go on the road with him, assisted by AAA. Uh, Travis Hunter, not the only big name to be there on Saturday. And Hunter's presence, as I said before, I want to hammer this point home one more time. Hunter's presence in Athens is significant whether he chooses Georgia or not at any point in time in, in his process because it's just kind of establishing UGA as the place where the biggest and the best want to be. Recruits these days judge themselves by the company they keep, and Hunter's presence, presence in Athens on Saturday will let the other recruits know they also made the right choice, but the game they chose to attend, the official visitors, the commits who were on hand, a uh, good-looking list of 2023s and 2024s there as well. All of that coming uh, later on with Jeff Sintel here in a moment. Now, with that said, soundtrack changes, record scratches, and we go from having the happy, fun conversation to the eh, not-so-fun conversation as we go around the doghouse delivered by Marco's Pizza here today. Tyke Smith is injured, and I guess on three had this first. I'll read you the story this is Connor Riley, Dog Nation, from last night. Just as Tyke Smith looked to be getting back onto the field, his season now appears to be over, according to a report from On Three's Palmer Times. Uh, Smith suffered a torn ACL in practice this week. The injury is going to sideline Smith for the season. Transfer from West Virginia did not play in the first five games of the season as he recovered from preseason foot injury. Of course, he did play briefly at the end of the game against Auburn on Saturday. But now the season appears to be done for a young man that transferred over from West Virginia down here to the south, kind of following his defensive backs coach, Jamal Adai, who had left Morgantown to come down here as well. You know it's going to be disappointing for Tyke Smith, and it's concerning for Georgia fans too because these injuries really start to pile up. And it seems like you've had a few of these in that secondary position as well at a spot where maybe to start the year off you were a little thinner than you than you would like to have been, you know, not a ton of experience, and that's one of the reasons why Tyke Smith transferred here to begin with. And obviously it's hard to say anything other than, yeah, this just kind of stinks for Georgia. I, I totally acknowledge that. But on a Friday, being in a good mood, you want to try to put as positive a spin on it as you possibly can. So let me try to do it this way. That while this sets up a situation for Georgia that's probably unimaginable for a lot of fans, you never could have gone back to the beginning of the season and thought, okay, you'll take this guy off the roster, this guy off the roster, this guy off the roster, this guy won't be available, this guy won't be available, and you just start scratching through names with red pens and all you're left with is just this list right here. That's a much smaller list of available players than you probably thought you would have. It's unimaginable, unforeseeable for most fans. But we have reason to believe that Georgia coach Kirby Smart and his defensive staff have considered every possibility and every contingency for every possibility. And I don't mean this in any kind of hollow way. I mean this specifically and tangibly. Let me tell you why I have reason to believe that. And as I said before, this is my most aggressive attempt to put a positive spin on what is a pretty lousy story for Georgia all the way around. 
Do you remember some audio we played a couple of weeks ago going into the game for Georgia against Arkansas? And Arkansas coach Sam Pittman had made an appearance on, you know, pardon my take, it's one of the popular Barstool sports podcasts with Big Cat and PFT Commenter. And they're talking about a number of things with, with, with Pittman, but one of the things they talked about was Pittman's time working with Kirby Smart. Now, Pittman, I always think, is a really good guy to hear from because he's just kind of a relaxed guy, right? Pittman sort of strikes you as laid back. He sort of strikes me as the kind of guy that feels pretty self-assured and confident that whatever life throws at him, he's just going to find a way to figure it out, that, that, that he's just one of those guys that's got a little bit of street smart or something, I don't know, but he just feels pretty relaxed and pretty confident. But sometimes relaxed doesn't work well for smart, who wants to really – just tighten the screws on every possible issue for Georgia football. Wants to stay buttoned up and professional and prepared and planned no matter what. And so let's listen to Sam Pittman here about what it's like to be behind the scenes with Kirby Smart. And if this is the way that Smart previously pushed Sam Pittman, then maybe this is the way that over the course of the last few weeks, few months, maybe last couple of years, Smart's also been pushing his defensive coaching staff there as well, which maybe makes them more prepared to handle the kind of injury that Tyke Smith now has to add to all the other significant issues for Georgia that don't seem to be rectifying themselves as quickly as we'd like. So let's hear Sam Pittman from Pardon My Take. I, I read that you have six centers on your team this year. Is that still true? You still got six of them? Still have six. You know, I, you know, there's two people that handle that ball every snap, every snap and that's the center and the quarterback. You know, on Saturday mornings, we have our meetings, and, and I know Cody gets mad at me, but I'll go, okay, what happens if he goes down? Okay, what happened? We'll get to the fifth center, sixth center, the fifth left tackle. And to be honest with you, Kirby Smart used to do that to me when I was coaching over at Georgia, too, and I was going, damn, he thinks we're going to get to the 100th left tackle. But to be honest with you, last week, we, you know, we, we got hurt. We got beat up, and one kid played three different positions. So Sam Pittman says somewhat sarcastically there, gosh, what's wrong with Kirby Smart? He thinks we're going to get down to the 100th left tackle. Obviously, we don't have 100 left tackles. Pittman's exaggerating to make a point, but Pittman says, okay, the things that I do in my own program now, Arkansas, pushing my offensive line coach to if your first guy gets hurt, if your second guy gets hurt, if your third guy gets hurt, what are you going to do then? Well, if your fourth guy gets hurt, what are you going to do then? What if he gets hurt? What do you have to move the left guard to left tackle? What do you have to move the left tackle to right tackle? Do you have to move the you know, tight end to the offensive line? You know, like, what if you have to do all these contingencies, and what is your plan if that happens? But Pittman, in so many words, says Smart's belief when he was working for him there was that's the way that a smart, sharp football team behaves. They prepare for every possibility. So now you got Jamal Adai coaching Georgia's defensive backs. You got Dan Lanning, who's Georgia's defensive back, or I should say defensive coordinator. And all of a sudden you've got a situation where both your safeties have been a little bit banged up. Chris Smith may be uh, you know, uh, dealing with something that's going to linger for him for a while there. And now Tyke Smith's off the field for, for you too, and you've got to try to decide where's Latavius Brini's best value to our program. And if Brini's not able to play star, which I should say safety, which he did some last week, if he's back over at star because now Tyke Smith is gone, well, who becomes your next safety in the game? And, and, and is there a cornerback that cross trains now and moves over and plays a little bit more in the middle of the field? I'm not telling you this is all going to work out perfectly for Georgia because maybe it doesn't. There is a point in which you just suffer so many injuries that it does affect the way that you play on the field. But I can tell you on the basis of what Sam Pittman said there on a totally unrelated subject, but nonetheless a consistent line of thought, I can tell you that Georgia's at least planned for this because that's what they do. 
Georgia has at least considered, what if we didn't have Lewisine and Christopher Smith and Tyke Smith? What if we didn't have any of those guys? Well, who would we move over to safety? Are there cornerbacks that can do this? Are there guys that we're going to practice each and every week some during the year? And we're going to practice them hard, by the way. We're going to practice them hard at safety. So if we ever have four guys out in the secondary, uh, then we feel pretty good we can put that guy in the game. And I would say that George has probably done that. At least that's what you're left to assume based on the way that Sam Pittman described working behind the scenes for Kirby Smart. So once again, this is a fully transparent attempt at putting a silver lining on what's a pretty lousy story. Injuries mount, and they have mounted for Georgia. And that's not good. But what you do week to week over the course of a year, over the course of a multitude of years, leading up to one of these moments when you feel injury plagued, that does affect your readiness to be able to respond to that. And everything we've ever been told is that Georgia spends a lot of time thinking about every possible contingency, including right now what it might be a, appear to be the worst-case scenario. So we will see on Saturday the results. Obviously, our prayers will be out for Tyke as he deals with a pretty unfortunate setback to his uh, football career and all, obviously also very curious to see how Georgia responds to all of this too. That is Around the Doghouse. It is delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. I told you before, I wasn't watching the pros last night. Some of you were, and some of you will be watching us tonight. High school football on Petrie TV and streaming at CBS46.com. Our college is on Saturday, pros again on Sunday, Braves baseball here this weekend too. The point is, when you're getting on the couch in front of the TV, getting ready to watch some sports on the weekend, Marco's Pizza goes great with that. One of the reasons why is it just tastes good. I mean, I'm one of these guys that when you get to the weekend, you want food that tastes good. And that's what Marco's Pizza is. The golden brown crust baked perfectly every time. The three melted cheeses that blend together so well. The old world toppings. When I say old world, I mean true, authentic pizza flavor in the sausage, in the pepperoni. You can really taste that in each and every bite. That's what Marco's Pizza provides. It's a great tasting pizza, and it also comes at a great price. And I don't mind telling you, in a household like ours, where my kids eat more and more each and every day, a good price on good food is always going to be a very good thing to me. And Marco's Pizza shows up for you with a large one-topping pizza, just $9.99. That's a very simple value, very simple to say. Large one-topping pizza, $9.99. That's great savings and a really good thing all the way around. That's what Marco's Pizza can provide for you. So check them out online, marcos.com. If you haven't downloaded the Marco's app, you need to make sure you do that because that's a very simple and easy way to order your pizza here this week. And, of course, there are some restrictions that apply, so check in your own store right there in your community for more details on that or find out more at uh, dognation.com. Marco's Pizza delivers around the doghouse to us here today. Before we're done, very extensive deep dive into Georgia and Kentucky kind of what to expect, how easy should it be for UGA, big voices, what they're saying, the recipe for a Kentucky upset might be. We'll cover all that before we're done. We'll also give out, I think it's a total of 13 golden shoes today. We've really gotten obnoxious with this, but we're going to have fun with it nonetheless anyway. It's a fun Friday. It's a big football weekend, and a lot of this will center around UGA recruiting. So what do you say we get some more important updates from Jeff Centel as we go on the road with him, assisted by AAA here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Jeff Sintel, and there's a lot to talk about with Georgia. Huge list of visitors here this weekend. 
Some of these guys I think are obviously fun because they are the biggest of the big names. Some of these guys I think are fun because of the attention they're starting to get from Georgia. I always love when guys have big senior seasons and, and they start to get that attention and, and have a chance to work their way up the ranks. That's a, one of my favorite things about uh, Fridays in Georgia, moving into future Saturdays, the way these guys get a chance to do that. There's a lot of that on the list for Georgia here this weekend. So, Jeff, let me just kind of backtrack for a moment and start where I started a moment ago. I don't know if Travis Hunter's going to come to Georgia or not. Obviously, I'd love it if he did when healthy. I think he's one of the most dazzling high school prospects I've ever seen. But whether he does or not, Kirby Smart knows how to put on a show, and that's a very important part of the game when it comes to high school football recruiting. It's already a big day in Athens on Saturday. CBS is there. Game day is there. When Kirby Smart shows up on ESPN2 on a Friday night, to hype up one of the players that's also visiting on Saturday, it just makes a big day even bigger. Smart really knows how to do that, and I got to admit, as a showman myself, I love the theatrics of the moment. Uh, speaking of theatrics, Brandon, let me say this: Travis Hunter is going to come to Georgia tomorrow. Tomorrow, that's that's what we're thinking right now. Right. That's about all anybody could say is tomorrow. He's going to visit tomorrow. And, Brandon, it's a Thursday. Again, it boggles my mind where recruiting is going, you know. I will say this, that there's a really good defensive tackle at North Gwinnett High School, Caden McDonald, who was also in that game. But you think about the chance to show force with Will Muschamp um, for North Gwinnett, Collins Hill yesterday. Remember, remember, Travis Hunter's overcoming a high, a lower leg injury, high ankle injury. Likely not supposed to be back until the second week of the playoffs is what I'm hearing. Uh, it was a chance for Kirby to put the Georgia brand in the, in the Kirby copter on ESPN2 as well on a Thursday night, capture the attention of the nation. Um, it was all that. And then there's Travis Hunter, who I think is um, good enough to be the number one receiver in the country or the number one cornerback in the country. That's where he's rated right now. He's rated as the number one overall prospect in the country. He came out this week with another edit that said FSU is where he's going right now. The official line is, is that Travis just wants to see a great great game, great ball game, um, while he's not playing uh, for Collins Hill, while he's rehabbing and recovering. So I'm going to borrow a line that Kirby Smart once used, and it's different purpose when Smart used it, but it's appropriate here. And we showed you the uh, edit from Hunter a little earlier, kind of reaffirming himself to Florida State. But Smart has told his players before, I want you to be where your feet are. In other words, wherever your body is, where your mind needs to be. And if I'm a Florida State fan, that's my concern. It's not so much where where Hunter's words are. They are clearly still closely attached to Tallahassee. But his, his body, mind, and spirit is going to be between the hedges tomorrow. And if I'm a Seminoles fan, if I'm doing Knoll Nation Daily today, I'm probably not all that happy about that. And I would say that that Travis Hunter's tweets are probably a small consolation for me when really uh, Hunter, as a part of that 2022 class down there at Florida State, is the only thing that program has going for it right now. Uh, I would say that all of that feels like a small consolation in light of the fact that in the world of follow the visits, it's two consecutive visits to UGA. You better believe if I'm in Tejas, you better believe I'm noticing that. Yeah, it's also the he spends half the night in an ER and then he's at Georgia for a noon kickoff against against Arkansas. That says something. But here's what you can say, and it's part of that follow the visits mantra and covering recruiting. Is here's what we know that's happening. Every time that he goes and visits Georgia, these program, programs, man, are on the polar opposites of college football right now. It's struggling, talent depleted, not enough guys, Florida State team versus the team on top of the college football world right now, recruiting from strength, stacked up 
players, but, you know, Travis Hunter is the type of special player that could come in right away and play at Georgia at receiver, uh, at cornerback, even on this loaded roster. Remember how we've used, gotten used to saying over the last year or two now that um, if a freshman is playing for Georgia now, it may say something more about the position group and depth rather than the player itself. Well, Travis Hunter is the exception of exceptions. He is going to play on any unit in the country immediately, especially the one at Florida State. Uh, here's what's happening. Every time he goes to Georgia, the chances of him liking Georgia more and more go up, and the chances of him being a 100% stone-cold lead pipe lock to Florida State, they have to go down. That's just increased exposure to Georgia, more data, more things to like about Georgia. And every time he's on Georgia's campus, uh, that increases the possibilities of what I'm still going to couch everybody. And I know everybody's in their, their Maybox and their Ferraris going 180 miles an hour in the Peach Pass Lane right now about Travis Hunter and this news. The main thing as a, a dutiful steward covering Georgia recruiting is that over there, that over there with Travis Hunter, that's, that's pie in the sky right now, I think. Uh, that's the delicious potential nirvana for the class. What you need to stick to right now is the nation's number six player, another five-star defensive lineman. Brandon, I know we haven't given this no, enough attention. I know you probably haven't given this enough attention. But I think the number one prospect on Georgia's board for 2023 that's A.J. Harris out of Phoenix City, Alabama, mm-hmm. the guy who grew up going to Kirby Smart's camps, really tight with Pierce Sperling III, really tight, tight with Kyan Lee. Um, that's A.J. Harris, and he's also going to be at Georgia tomorrow. I know everybody's like 2023, yada, yada, yada. Uh, J.T. Horn told me, the first-round pick of the Carolina Panthers, told me this summer that A.J. Horn was good enough to play in the SEC and get major minutes as a high school junior. A.J. Harris is another one of those Travis Hunter-type guys that could come in right away and play for Georgia right now, and he's just a high school junior. The timing for the Burton, and that's great stuff, Jeff, and you mentioned Luther Burton as well. The timing of the Burton visit couldn't work out any better with his uh, announcement looming as quickly as it does. And a lot of things we joke about from time to time are the – you know, the recruits I want to speak to existence and things like that. And I'm not going to say that I spoke this one into existence as aggressively as I did George Pickens a few years ago, but it is, you want to go back and play some of the stuff we said about him in the summer. Like the thing that I was saying at the time was, man, I want to believe this can happen. Georgia needs a player of this caliber, but it has to, there needs to be some sort of tangible proof, right? It's like I was so willing to buy into the idea that Georgia could get burdened. But there's got to be because he, you know, taking a visit and things like that. But there had to be some sort of reality-based narrative emerged that felt that made you feel it was possible. Then lo and behold, he decommits from Oklahoma. Then lo and behold, you start thinking, well, maybe your chief competition here is Missouri, which Georgia fans don't have any respect for. You start, you know, seeing the way in which you know he's kind of talking about, and now that official visit coming when it does ahead of his decision. I think this is one of the coolest recruiting stories that I've seen from Georgia recently because it's obviously a massive position of need. Georgia's got to have those dynamic playmakers. The wide receiver recruiting has steadily improved over the course of the last couple of years from being really a not championship level in the you know when in the in the early days of Smart and probably preceding Smart a little bit to now getting better. They've signed four top ten receivers in the last three years, but. If you start getting guys like Bird, now you've broken through the entire different level, right? You've completely kicked in a glass ceiling that appeared to exist for the program. And at one point in time, all it was was a hope and a wish. But, boy, now it seems a lot more tangible than that. 
Burden's the guy. Let me let me let me speak very clearly here. Burden's the type of guy. Remember, Pickens was the highest ranked receiver Georgia's ever signed uh, in the Kirby Smart era, and, and even going back to AJ Green time, a, a lone five star that that Georgia signed. But Pickens was the number twenty nine, twenty four, twenty seven overall prospect. Luther Burden is the nation's number six prospect by lots of folks. He's either the number two, the number three receiver in the country. Uh, pretty much universally seen as a top 15, top top 20 player. Uh, that's an Alabama-type receiver here, and I think folks want to know about the timing and the impact of the visit. It's kind of like this. I think this visit needs to go great for Georgia, and expecting an official visit in Athens, Georgia, on a 3.30 kickoff weekend to go great is kind of like hoping that all the establishments will have libations after the game. Uh, that's just sort of the thing that comes with the territory or the tailgate won't run out of food. That's like, yeah, pretty likely to happen that he's going to have a great visit. And then you have to pay attention to, you know, I went up there, I spent some time around Luther Burden and his, his circle, his teammates. They said a lot of things about Georgia. They said a lot of things that I paid very close attention to about Georgia. And, um, you know, Luther himself told me that the Georgia visit this summer was perhaps his best visit ever. Uh, he said he had a strong man-to-man talk with Cortez Hankton that really uh, opened his eyes that he still remembers when he thinks about Georgia. Uh, so I think this is one of those things. Athens, do your job. University of Georgia football game, atmosphere, do your job. And I think Luther Burden's going to come away from Athens with a whole lot of good stuff to think about with Georgia. It's also, correct me if I'm wrong, an official visit for Mikhail Williams, the current USC commit. Uh, big defensive line prospect out of Columbus, also the official visit weekend for him too, correct? Official visit weekend for Jordan James, uh, the running back out of Oakland High in Tennessee. Uh, he's going to be there. Uh, Georgia Brandon apparently is going to get a, a visit from Marvin Jones Jr. Not the not a five-star pass rusher, but another elite pass rusher, top 50, 60 overall player out of Florida. Um, it's just crazy how things could change really quickly. Um, there's a wide receiver out of uh, South Carolina, Antonio Williams, um, another guy that's given Georgia a look as well. You hear these things about Shaz Preston, another top five receiver out of Louisiana. Certainly the relative lack of strength in LSU's program right now might allow a different kind of conversation than the ones you and I had over and over last year about about Mason Smith and so hard to pull guys out of LSU. Um there's a lot of things going on, and it's just continued high-stakes recruiting. I think I look at that receiver spot and what Georgia could add there. Um, likes of Burden, who else could they bring into the class? Can they take five receivers? Can that class get up to 30 names now with these new transfer portal rules about you lose a guy, you can replace them with up to seven guys in the next class? Um, man, you know, there's a lot. The, the continued flirtations with the – an offensive lineman out of uh, IMG Academy that's currently committed uh, to Florida State as well. We've mentioned Travis Hunter. Um, there are a lot of, you know, just simple things like, you know, Carlton Madden Jr., he committed to Georgia back in, I think, back in September. This will be his first visit to Athens as a committed Georgia Bulldog. First game visit ever for him. Oscar Delp, let's not forget Oscar Delp. Delp took down the Delp wanted sign that Georgia – Hired Oscar Delp, so to speak. He's going to be in town on a visit as a committed recruit again for the Bulldogs. I mean, it's another big one, Brandon. When we didn't think these big ones were going to happen, I'm going to tell you this. 
this this the way this season is going, there's going to be somebody really stinking good in town for that Charleston Southern game. Just just wait for it. You know, something later on in the year is going to create some buzz on the recruiting front, even though you look at the schedule, you look at the opponents, and uh, you just know it's coming. I have seen some online chatter, and you mentioned defensive back recruiting a moment ago, but I've seen some online chatter as well about Jaheim Singletary. Anything you can add yep. for that? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, that's another thing, what we were talking about with Jaheim Singletary, the former Ohio State commit who decommitted. Now it looks like his decision is Georgia. Florida, and then Miami, another program that may be going in reverse just a little bit with their clear momentum at the at the beginning of the season. Uh, and that's the thing you got to be careful with about about the Travis Hunter recruitment. We talked about that a little bit last night on Cover 4 Live, but that Jaheim Singletary train's been going down the tracks for quite a while now, and you, you better be careful. And, and, of course, Georgia's staff knows how to do this. They've done it year after year, but um, you better be careful with you know these flirtations with Hunter and everything that you don't you don't upset the the harmony that's kind of happening there with Jaheim Singletary out of Jacksonville, Florida. I think it's a very fair point, and let me game this out with you for a moment because this is the part of recruiting you can't really talk about too much, but I do think it's an important part of it there as well. That one of the things I think that Kirby Smart's pretty good at doing, and you have to be subtle about how you do this. But you have to create a certain level of scarcity with your scholarships, right? I mean, you don't want there to be too strong of a power imbalance on the side of the player here. You want to make it seem like Georgia's the place to be. And so that's why I don't mind the flirtations with Hunter, even if ultimately Hunter is destined to end up at Florida State. I don't mind that because it is showing that the recruiting buzz is growing around UGA, and it's a reminder – to, to a Singletary or a potential wide receiver or really anybody else, almost any other position there too, because you're looking at, well, if Hunter's getting on board here, then who else is looking to be a part of this there as well? I don't mind the idea that Georgia creates a certain level of scarcity around scholarship options of we've got the very best players showing up here in Athens. We've got the very best targets in the country who are looking to see if they can get involved with the UGA. So if you've got an offer out, it might be good to go ahead and grab it while it's there and you know you hate to say that but but that ability to kind of create that scarcity around the program and the scarcity around the scholarship offer is a powerful club for a coach to have in his bag yeah and it's not only that brandon you're the number one team in the country yeah it looks like you have a boku of a boku let me add some twang to it a boku of uh first round, second round, third round draft prospects coming, so the development angle is happening. You see the fact that three stars are coming into Georgia and performing. That's kind of what uh, Lad McConkie was. Everybody knows the Jordan Davis story by now. Hashtag JD, JD2NYC. But uh, A.D. Mitchell's another guy that you just keep seeing what Georgia's doing with pieces now, and not just the premium piece. I mean, it's funny. Oscar Delt was a guy that, you know, let's face it, he seemed like he was leaning like Pisa to Georgia for quite a long time. But he, he even told me, it's like, man, he wanted to go ahead and get it done because he wants to wear number four at Georgia. James Cook is vacating that number, and they told him, you know, basically first come, first serve. You can claim that number when you claim your spot in the class. And that's kind of what Oscar Delp did there. And, I mean, it, it's so crazy, Brandon, that the news cycles this week where Oscar Delp is there and then all of a sudden it's, Shift focus back to Luther Burden and Michael Williams, and then you got AJ Harris in town, and then all of a sudden there's this Travis Hunter stuff that comes up right now, and then there's the Kirby Copter, and then it's like who else is going to make a visit? Is Kamari Wilson going to come back again? Yeah, uh, and go see Georgia again? It, it, you know, Singletary, 
like again, if Georgia recruiting was a heart, the the amount of the amount of uh, recruits that are surging through these veins right now and trying to get inside Sanford Stadium, those things would have had like seven triple bypasses by now because that's how much traffic is coming through wanting to get a seat at the table in the West End Zone to watch the University of Georgia each and every week. If that heart's beating right now, like me after about twenty-five wings or something like that, that's about what that's uh, that's about what that's feeling like right now. That heart's beating overdrive with all that going on right now. And we'll get back to a more recruiting talk with Jeff Sintel. In fact, I want to talk to him more about Oscar Delp and the uh, big news this week with Delp making his pledge there to UJ. Let me remind you that we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. And listen. Obviously, we talk about the uh, legendary roadside assistance when it comes to AAA. It's one of the things I love having in my back pocket as I'm traveling around here uh, all throughout the football weekends of the fall. But there's something else I want you to know about AAA. They are also the ones to turn to for life insurance. And life insurance is the kind of thing that you can't disregard. You know, you are in a position of responsibility. You've got a family to take care of. At least so many of you do. That means caring for your spouse in the event that you're gone. Obviously, caring for the children and for your children in the event that you're gone. So many of the people, statistically speaking, in our audience, a percentage within six months of an unfortunate passing, there may not be enough money to take care of the folks that you love right now. That's why life insurance matters, and I take that very seriously. And my recommendation to you is to turn to someone who takes it even more seriously than I do. My friends at AAA and one of their financial services associates who can help make the process of life insurance much more understandable and much really effortless, easy, painless. A great, great conversation is there to be had when you give them a call at 866-695-0222. That number, once again, 866-695-0222. Your local AAA office, you can stop by and speak to them in person, or you can check them out online, aaa.com slash life. That's aaa.com slash life for a lot more on that. Let me repeat something, Jeff, I've said before when it comes to Oscar Dell. My favorite thing about his interview that he did with you, kind of explaining why it was that he chose Georgia, I love the fact that he said, I can point to tangible results for this team on the field as a reason why I want to play at Georgia, mentioning Brock Bowers by name. Brock's obviously having a tremendous freshman season, which continued this past Saturday against Auburn. I hope it continues this weekend against Kentucky, too. But you can point to Bowers and say, that's how a tight end can perform in this offense, and that's how I see myself performing. This isn't one of those things of the past where you ask a recruit, hey, use your imagination, and once we have a player as good as you, we will use you in ways we're not really using guys right now. Recruits can only just do so much to imagine how they could be used in an offense that may or may not be working. But when you see an offense working for those who are working in it, when you see Bowers flourishing, I think for guys like Bowers, it makes the choice that much easier. I'm sorry, for, for uh, Delp, guys like Delp, it makes, him that, it makes it that much easier. And so I think Georgia fans should feel good about the Delp decision this week for reasons that extend beyond Delp. You see the fruits that come your way when you build an offense that's working. And Georgia, from a statistical standpoint, points scored and a lot of other measuring sticks, is functioning better offensively right now than they have any point in time previous to this under Coach Kirby Smart. Yeah, I think let me flesh that out a little bit, Brandon. I think it speaks for the whole football team where Georgia was doing exceedingly well. Maybe only Alabama was better. Maybe Alabama and Ohio State was better in selling elite prospects. Come here. We'll get you to the NFL. You'll play in a lot of big games. Uh, and we'll have you shaking Roger Goodell's hand. They were doing very great at selling that wish or that whisper of what you could be. But now – this is a Georgia team not doing that anymore. They could still sell that whisper, but now they've got 
Lad McConkey making plays vertically, former no-star recruit. They've got Adam Anderson and Trayvon Walker and Nolan Smith making sacks. They've got Brock Bowers do putting his thing down as well. They've got still got Zamir White charging for a couple touchdowns a game all over the place. you got offensive linemen moving in. You've got them playing early. Broderick Jones, Marius Mims, they're getting their time that everybody hoped, everybody wanted to see from both of those guys. You just look all across the front, you see Georgia, not only Georgia putting exclamation point players on the field, and I, I, I think this will probably make you want to kick one of those 13 golden shoes you've got to give out today huh. across your studio, but I think if Georgia looked like this last year, and had this identity last year, then there would be names like Mason Smith and Corey Foreman and other players where Georgia wound up bridesmaids, where this year Georgia's not only all that in a bowl of grits and the nation's number one team, but they're winning decisively and they're spotlighting and they're pedestaling players with those highlight clips that everybody wanted to see that maybe they could have got at that other school where Georgia was just going to bludgeon teams and, you know, flash a little bit here, flash a little bit there. I think the proof is all in the pudding now of how Georgia's putting it out there on the field, looking impressive, looking dazzling, looking dominant in doing so. And there's a lot of positions now where you don't have to say, like you keep saying that narrative a lot, Brandon, it's, it's everywhere you look, pass rushers, yep. tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, safeties, um, corners. Look, 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 look how much Javon Bullard is going to play the back half of this season. Yeah. Guy like Kamari Lasseter, Nylon Green, you know, the injury to Tyke Smith, you know, what's happened with Jalen Kimber, we don't know how long Amir Speed is out. It's going to be another another back channel of momentum here for Georgia where, like, we're doing this and all of our kids are still playing, all of our young guys are still playing, and all the guys that were coming to Georgia to be stars are bona fide, uh, no doubt about it, stars right now for Georgia. All right, two very quick points, and I'll let you go after this. Jeff, when Georgia goes to Nevada and gets Darnell Washington, I'm obviously thrilled, and Bowers going to California and getting him is a really big deal. But I don't mind telling you this, and I thought our coverage on Wednesday night, you and Connor Raleigh were there together. They're at West Forsyth for this. When you have the Georgia prospect in a metro Atlanta school like that and a cafeteria full of Georgia fans, when a guy like that puts the Georgia hat on, you get the huge cheer from the in-state crowd about one of their guys fulfilling a lifelong dream and going to Georgia. I'm telling you right now, that really works on me. And it's not that I don't love the national recruits, because I do. It's fun to see Georgia doing that as well. But there is something really cool about keeping those dogs at home, which Georgia has done tremendously over the last couple of cycles, really dominating the top ten list of top prospects in our state the last couple of years. To hear the big trout, big cheer from the partisan Georgia crowd at West Forsyth when Delp made his announcement, I really like that, Jeff. You know, when we say homegrown and we talk about it, it sounds good. It sounds like something that um, should go on a T-shirt. But – there was something with Oscar Delp's recruitment that 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 actually was on a T-shirt, and you want to talk about homegrown things. Now, this is a story. wasn't on Dog Nation. wasn't on any podcast. wasn't on Cover 4. wasn't even on Edges um, on Wednesday night. Um, Oscar Delp, one of his very best friends, his mom is a crazy diehard Georgia fan. Uh-huh. And we say crazy in the most endearing terms possible because that's probably the majority of those golden shoes you're handing out today. Sure. Um so she had a shirt made, red shirt, hashtag Delp is a dog. She had it made like two weeks ago. And for the longest time, she'd been talking to Oscar. Is it going to be Georgia? Sending him text messages. Oscar would send back up the hands up emoji, you know, with that. Getting shirts made 
the guy, the guy, I met him too, a guy by the name, I'll never forget this name because his name is Greg Watts. Uh, the guy that was, I think it was Oscar was six years old, maybe sixth grade. The guy that first, he was the offensive coordinator for Oscar's um, Pee Wee Little League team, Pop Warner team. And he was the one that convinced the team, convinced the other coaches that we need to throw the ball to Oscar. It was a wheel route. It was a touchdown. You have all these people that are key influences and key milestone figures in his life. I mean, the best friend's mom is texting you shirts that say Delp is a dog. That's why Georgia, when there's a, there's a priority targeted recruit in state, that's why they really should never lose a guy like that, especially when they, they fit the offense now. You know, we were talking about a minute ago, you know, the players that may have, may have came to Georgia originally if this offense looked like this, you know, there's names like in the past, there's more names like Eric Gilbert, there's Jaden Hazelwood. You know, it was striking to me when I was talking to Oscar, putting together his coverage before the decision came out. And he said something, he said it a couple times, and it just rang in my ears with like the, the fury of like months and ringing a thousand bells, where he said, I would get the ball at Georgia. And it, it, my, immediately my mind circled back to Hazelwood, who told yep. me, I want to see the ball. I want to see the ball in the air. And now you have the nation's number three tied in. This is a different Georgia recruiting him. And he's like, I'm going to get the ball at Georgia. 100%. And Brandon, from a guy that can speak with the scope and breadth of those two statements, because I was there, I heard both of those things with my own ears. To me, that was a defining moment for what Kirby Smart is doing offensively right now with Todd Munkin. I had great respect for Hazelwood, and Reed Gilbert was like this too. They were very honest. They just weren't sure they were going to be delivered the football at Georgia for a multitude of reasons. And now guys like Delp feel completely different. Uh, quick final thing, you can make your answer quick on this. It also struck me as well during the ceremony that Oscar's mom, Mary Delp, you know, she was very honest. She talked about the the pull that she had personally to South Carolina. They grew to really like Shane Beamer there as well. I'll credit her for being willing to be honest right there. I thought that was a stand-up moment. And I think it also speaks to Georgia's success recruiting her because Delp had told you months ago that Georgia had gone to work on his family. And maybe Delp was always convinced that Georgia was the right place, but maybe the family had to be won over. That Georgia, probably led by Todd Hartley on this, did get that done. They won over the family when you start off with another school having a little bit of a point spread advantage against you, you make up that ground and you have, you know, a mom say, listen, there was still a little bit of a, an emotional pull for me towards South Carolina, but this is the right place to go. It just speaks to the success. I think that Georgia has of winning these kinds of battles. And I'll give you a, a quick final chance to, to, to respond to that. Yeah. So Mary Delp is a, she's a strong lady. She runs marathons. She said she could probably run 35 miles had a straight drop of the hat if it's something vital in her life depended on it. It was funny, Brandon. She said something to me like, you know, Gamecocks. And the Gamecocks were behind in the recruitment of Dell because they offered really late. They didn't really offer until, until Shane Beamer was hired. And he may have offered Oscar maybe 19 minutes after the ink was dry or the handshake was, was made on the chance for him to come to Columbia. But one thing his mom said was she said, I literally created a human being to help you guys win football games and be better. And you guys didn't recruit him out of the gate like you needed to. Now, everything from which Shane Beamer came on board was great. They loved him. They thought he was amazing. But as we wrote this week on DogNation.com, lots of details, lots of behind the scenes, the meeting to end all meetings on Oscar's official visit, all that was conducted with master class recruiting by Todd Hartley, like, Todd Hartley, man, this guy goes after one dude or two dudes. He doesn't have backup plans. He had no backup plan for Oscar Delp this year. 
and he recruited him. I mean, it's the type of thing that I was writing this, and I'm like, you know what? I hope this stuff comes up, how passionate the Delps were, how passionate an advocate the Delps were for Todd Hartley. I was like, man, these are really – and I talked to a lot of happy parents with how they're going to Georgia and how they love the fact their son is on their way to Georgia. But this was the type of stuff from the Delts that probably needs to be brought up in Todd Hartley's annual performance review. And then when my buddy Mike Griffith starts writing these stories about pay raises for assistance in the next year, um, there's going to be a lot more coin, a lot more cheese, a lot more cheddar that comes Todd Hartley's way because what he's doing recruiting tight ends, uh, I don't know if you can find another gear for where he's at right now. Well, you have certainly found a great gear for us, Jeff. Appreciate that. I'm also looking forward to seeing you tonight. Our time is gone, so we really can't break down the big one tonight too well. But uh, what, how much fun is going to be? Walton, terrific football team. A couple Georgia commits on the side of North Cobb. With obviously, Denial Morissette and Marcus Grubbs Killebrew, uh, terrific 2023 quarterback in Malachi Singleton. This is going to be a great, great time tonight. Can't wait to see you for a fun one between Walton and North Cobb. Stars will be out tonight, and we'll be there, Brandon. Uh, see you later tonight, buddy. Looking forward to it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, that's going to be so much fun with Jeff Sintel coming up a little bit later on tonight. Petri TV, streaming at CBS46.com. The big game between Walton and North Cobb there. And obviously we'll talk more about that. But for now, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously this is a great time to start thinking about getting back on the water again on one of those beautiful Royal Caribbean ships as it gets ready to sail all kinds of ports of call here. But obviously one of the things that we think about a lot are those easy getaways, especially if you're a first-time cruiser. And I feel like for a lot of the folks who listen to us right now, you maybe heard me talking about Royal Caribbean cruises before, and you say, you know, do is this something I want to do? Is this, a, is this a next thing for me and the people that I love in my life? And I'd say it definitely is. And one of my recommendations, I mean, I talked about this yesterday, take one of these like three or four-night cruises that leave out of Port Canaveral, short drive from where I'm sitting right here in the Atlanta area. And one of the cool things about that on the – amplified recently amplified uh, mariner of the seas which means you've got a, a beautiful ship that's made even better over the course of the last couple of years and you get a chance to sail and one of the great ports of call that you go to one of the terrific destinations is perfect day coco Cay. now you've heard me say this but let me remind you this is a private island right there in the bahamas it's only available it's exclusively for those taking their vacations with royal caribbean and you get all of the unbelievable amenities that go along with perfect day coco Cay fun stuff whether it be the the tallest water slide in north america the the largest freshwater pool in the bahamas there's a 450 foot helium balloon that takes you uh you know up like uh, up in the air you know there's kind of like a thrill side of the island there's a chill side of the island on the other side you got like the floating private cabanas which it sounds really cool to me i think i'm probably in a day in my life when the chill side maybe sounds a bit better but i know my kids would love the thrill side so either way you can kind of do either part of that and as I said before, a lot of the, the ships that go to Perfect Day Coco Cay are the ones that are leaving out of Port Canaveral, which is a very close drive. For those of you who are in the Atlanta area, so many of you are, a uh, great way to get there for that. So you hear me talk about it, but the best thing to do is get some expert advice from our friends of the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Dog alumni own it. Uh, they are experts when it comes to the travel world, including the best Royal Caribbean cruise for you. So make sure you check out uh, Royal Caribbean with our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. In fact, let me give you a couple of ways to get in touch. 
tcava.com. That's the website, tcava.com, or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. And just tell them the BA from Dog Nation Daily said to set you up with a really fun vacation from our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, recruiters are on the SEC here, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously a lot of chatter coming out of Kentucky right now, but the game on Saturday. Let me give you a little bit of Gary Danielson, who was quoted by Kentucky.com about what Kentucky can do to keep this game close on Saturday. He says, you can't have the self-inflicted plays. Alabama had it last week, busted coverages for touchdowns in the scoring zone and having turnovers, six drop passes. Before you worry about beating Georgia, Danielson says, you have to make sure that Kentucky doesn't beat Kentucky. And I think this sets up as a pretty interesting game where, look, you start looking at the side-by-side comparisons. Like One of the things that's going to be true for Georgia against Kentucky this is going to be one of the rare instances when a player in one position or a one position group on the opponent side probably gets a little bit more attention coming into a game like this than the Georgia side does. Georgia's been led by a good stable of running backs, and the overall rushing numbers for Georgia the last couple of weeks have really started to come into their own. But on the Kentucky side, Chris Rodriguez is probably getting more attention this year than Zamir White has gotten, than James Cook has gotten, than Kendall Milton has gotten. So both in terms of a Kentucky team that thinks they want to run against anybody they play, including what up till now has been an impenetrable Georgia rush defense. How he does against this Georgia defense is going to be a pretty fascinating subplot to the game. And Georgia's attempt to best Kentucky with its own ground game is going to be a pretty interesting subplot there too. I also think the quarterback comparison is pretty interesting here. And I've had this on my mind a lot this week. That In a lot of ways, Will Levis is kind of like, Maybe the league average SEC quarterback, he may be sixth or seventh best in this league. I think he's better than a few of the guys that are taking snaps under center and probably not quite as good as a few others. Now, at a certain point, I think this Kentucky offense is going to come into full form. They've made an interesting hired offensive coordinator. They're trying to do some better things. They just don't quite yet either have the system down pat, probably most importantly, they don't quite have the same talent level that other programs that have upgraded their offense probably have. But Levis is doing what he can in that. He's thrown too many interceptions. Uh, there have been some bad moments. There have also been some good moments there, too. You know, he's within a couple of tenths of a yard of being within right where Bryce Young is on his yards per attempt number for the season. He's thrown one fewer touchdown than uh, Matt Corral has for Ole Miss. So in a midst of a stat line that's about average, there's some good moments for for. Will Davis too, and facing the Georgia defense here this weekend, I think it's an interesting look on Stetson Bennett, who I expect to play quarterback on Saturday for Georgia. My simple question there on that is, can Bennett outperform Levis on Saturday, knowing that Bennett's got the advantage of only having to play against the Kentucky defense, where Levis has the disadvantage of having to play against the Georgia defense on kind of a net comparison basis? Can Bennett be better than Will Levis? And I think if he can. And that tells you a lot more about what you have in Stetson Bennett right now. You know, Bennett is continuing to give George the luxury of being able to take its time with JT Daniels as he's working to throw pain-free, as he's working to return to practice on a full-time basis. For now, George has been fine. George is bigger than any one player, and Bennett has allowed Georgia to kind of keep the ship on the water here uh, with with Daniels' sideline. But another opportunity on Saturday, because like, one of the things you've seen from Kentucky is statistically, they've given up some stuff through the air this year. They've actually given up some passing yards. And so part of the recipe for beating the Wildcats on Saturday, even though LSU had some rushing success last weekend, part of the recipe for beating LSU, or I should say Kentucky, the team that George is playing Saturday, part of the recipe for beating Kentucky 
is finding a way to attack through the air. So the opportunity might be there. Does Georgia take advantage of that? Obviously, last season with Bennett at the helm up in Lexington, they really kind of put handcuffs in the offense all day long. Maybe they do more of that on Saturday, though, as a way of cultivating the high crowd, entertaining the recruits who are on hand. And for Bennett, who I do expect to play, a chance to go out there and maybe get the best of the quarterback on the other side. Will Levis, probably about the you know median quarterback in the SEC right now, it would certainly be a pretty big statement about Bennett if he can be better than a guy like that in a game like this on Saturday. So that's fun stuff to watch. One thing quickly here before we do our Bet U.S. Best Bets for the Week as a part of our uh, SEC through here, Saw where Nick Saban was questioning on his radio show last night whether or not Alabama's even still elite anymore. Is this is is this still an elite football team right now? Here's what I'll say. The second half of this season is going to be about needed improvement. And for a team like Alabama, you can obviously point to where they need to improve. It becomes easy to have that conversation because the Crimson Tide has lost game, lost a game. For Georgia, though, it's a very similar thing to be true there as well. Now I've told you before that in a year without an obvious great challenger to Georgia. All Georgia has to do is consistently perform at the level that it's currently performing. Nine more games like it's gotten the last couple of weeks is good enough for Georgia to win the national championship in a year like 2021. But you've also got to be mindful of the way in which your chief competition is improving. Not just Alabama and the SEC striving to be elite, as Saban referenced last night, but also what's happening at Ohio State after losing to Oregon, trying to figure some things out offensively. It seems like they may be doing so. So over the course of the next six regular season games for the very best teams in the country, Georgia, along with the chief competition for the national championship, who finds that way to improve? For Georgia, part of that improvement is by getting healthier. But it's also about kind of finding that one-two punch that you really want to go to offensively that gives you the best chance of beating a team like Alabama in December, especially now with the thought that you might only have to beat them once in order to win the national championship, given the fact the Crimson Tide lost last Saturday. All the more reason to keep pace with those elite-level teams that are trying to improve here over the course of the season's next six games. That'll be a fun second-half subplot to follow. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And here with our friends at BetUS now, let's do our BetUS best bets and get ready to make our picks for the upcoming weekend's worth the games we'll kind of rattle through this pretty quick because this is turning into a little bit of a of a marathon here fun show but long show uh i told you when you look at georgia and these are based on the numbers where we picked the games earlier this week and you'll see more of this on go with the flow presented by rs andrews later on today told you my one concern with georgia as a 23 and a half point favorite that record against the spread going into bye weeks week before and off week for georgia in the smart era and six against the spread Outright lost to Vanderbilt in 2016. Outright lost LSU in 2018. Failed to cover in wins in all the other four instances. Two of those, by the way, come against the team that Georgia plays on Saturday, Kentucky. So do with that what you will. I will tell you, I don't expect Kentucky to threaten Georgia on Saturday, but 23.5 points still seems like a lot for me. I think Auburn-Arkansas is a fun game. A little bit of a revenge game for Arkansas, who got jobbed by the officials a year ago. Here's all I think you need to know. The half point, I think, matters here, but it makes me want to take Arkansas more because they earn respect from the betters to get the three-and-a-half nod as opposed to the more key number of three. Arkansas earning that praise with good reason. They're five and one against the spread this year. Auburn's failed to cover three times. So the much more consistent team this season has been Arkansas. Yes, they played the marathon last week against Ole Miss, but in anything, it makes them even more motivated to find a win here this Saturday. I think Arkansas is the play there minus three and a half. 
Florida is the play, minus 10.5 on the road at LSU. That's an unforeseeable pick for me if you want to go back months ago. That's just too many points to give LSU at home. The spread wouldn't have even been close to that, obviously in a normal circumstance, but I think you have to really be concerned that LSU might have quit on this season. Texas A&M goes to Missouri. The number is 9. You know, if if this is anybody else on the road for A&M in this spot, maybe you worry about the Aggies being flat. Missouri's just not very good, though. It would be a stay away from me, but if you want to pick it because of you have to, and in our season-long competition on Go With The Flow, we do have to make the pick. I'll take A&M. Other than that, though, it would be a stay away from me. Uh, Vanderbilt, South Carolina would also be a stay away for me. Um, our entire panel, and you'll see this later on, take South Carolina minus the 18.5 points. I don't feel great about that pick at all. I did take South Carolina. I don't feel great about it. There's no way I would uh, you know, go down this road. And I happily went against Vanderbilt last week. I loved Florida minus the whatever it was, 30-something points. They were favored there in that game, and Florida did get that cover. So I like going against Vanderbilt because of how bad they are. But I don't know who South Carolina is right now to be you know, beating anybody by three touchdowns at home at the moment. In the case of Vanderbilt, nobody plays awful each and every week. Everybody has some moment where they play a little above their weight class. If you do care, though, uh, Gamecocks 4-2 and two against the spread, so maybe they're not in over their heads there. Bama-Mississippi State, another game where seems easy to rubber stamp Alabama in this spot, and I did take the Crimson Tide officially, but if it's my own money at BetUS, I'm not putting it down on Alabama right now. This would be a wait-and-see for me. To, and maybe it's a live action bet for you if, if once you kind of see the way the game is going. But I'm not quite so sure what emotional and mental state Bama goes to Starkville in. Uh, they are giving 17 points on the road. This, by the way, probably the closest trip of any two teams in the SEC, heading uh, 59 from Tuscaloosa over to Starkville there for that. The game that I do love is Ole Miss going to Tennessee. Uh, first of all, I'm pretty excited about Neyland Stadium being sold out. I know I'm not obviously a Tennessee fan. I don't like saying good things with the Vols. But I do think primetime, Neyland Stadium, kind of fun for the SEC to have that venue matter again. And I also like Tennessee plus the points. This will be just the seventh time, uh, I should say the eighth time since 2016, that Ole Miss goes on the road as a favorite. In two instances last season, Rebels go 1-1 one one against the number as a favorite on the road. But 1-6 in, in the last seven is Ole Miss when favorite on the road. In other words, Ole Miss is not in the spot very much. When they are, the moment has been too big. I think that's true once again for Lane Kiffin on Saturday. I actually like Tennessee plus the points in their stadium, checkerboard end zone, loud crowd, big opportunity there. The point total here is also more than 80, highest point total of the season, I believe, in college football, certainly the highest in the SEC. But a fun game in prime time between Ole Miss and Tennessee. And I will take the Vols there. We'll make that your BetUS best bets. And of course, I'll remind you check out betus.com for great incentives, including a big sign-up bonus. When you use the promo code DN125, you're going to get a 125% sign-up bonus on your initial deposit. That means that BetUS is going to put more money in your account than you do when you first sign up. You are literally a winner before you place your first wager, before you win your first bet. And, of course, after that, you'll find out what so many folks have found out for more than 25 years. BetUS has been America's most beloved sports book. They take great care of their players. They'll take good care of you, too. So sign up today, BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN. 125. The DN stands for Dog Nation. The 125 stands for the 125% sign-up bonus you're going to get when you sign up there today. All right, back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Let's bounce through. It's become kind of a tradition for us on Fridays. It's our not our Friday news dump, but our Friday shoes dump. 
A lot of these related to last week's game against Auburn. We got some JD to NYC stuff we're having fun with, and we'll just kind of roll through a few of these as we give out some golden shoes on the way out the door today. First of all, shout out to Tom Go Dogs, who goes to our comment section at dognation.com to give us remember the Bo Nix experience? He gives us the crying Jordan face over Bo Nix there last week. And I guess Brady Carver makes the edit. Tom Go Dogs shares it with us. But indeed, yeah, crying Jordan for Bo Nix last week. And truly, that was last Saturday's version of the Bo Nix experience. I also like this from William, who's GT Killer 82 on Twitter. Remember the Bo Nix t-shirt they made for his play running around <laughs> against LSU? I don't know why I think this is funny. Uh, so funny. Uh, but William shares it. It's the t-shirt that says the Bo Nix experience. Lost to Georgia, lost to Georgia, lost to Georgia. And it's just like some squiggly lines. Uh, that's really, really funny to mock the t-shirt they did make. Speaking of mocking, earlier this week I gave myself the golden shoe, and Lucy Bowers-Boykin mocks me for that. Uh, Courtesy of Raymond Fossaway, she says, Brandon giving Brandon the golden shoe award. You see me pinning what's kind of a golden shoe medal on there, uh, my face occupying both the bodies there. Uh, That's really funny stuff from Lucy. I appreciate you sharing this. By the way, Philip Thomas, thanks for participating in our hashtag JD2NYC. It's very important here. We're going to try to make this understood because it's very easy. And some of y'all have been good about helping corral this on the Internet. Let's keep it consistent here. It's hashtag JD, the number two NYC. Jordan Davis to New York City, hashtag JD to NYC. Appreciate Philip Thomas on that. Thanks for sharing that. Mike Q doing the same thing, uh, tagging the Heisman Trophy and ESPN and all that. Brian Thomas Kreider also gives you the hashtag JD to NYC with a very nice edit next to Jordan Davis. How about the animation here from Jeff Doak of Jordan Davis chasing down the uh, Kentucky Wildcat? He gives some credit to Patrick Carlson on Facebook for creating this. But he gives you the hashtag JD to NYC. Jeff, appreciate you sharing that. That is uh, terrific stuff. Our buddy Barkalot says it was ridiculous that Jordan Davis was left off the Lombardi Trophy semifinalist list. It's absolutely ridiculous. Jordan's by far the best defensive lineman in the nation. And listen, I know some of you may think, well, this must be a setback for the hashtag JD to NYC push that we're making here. It's not a setback. It is simply a reminder of why stuff like that is so important. These voters will do whatever you tell them to do. You just have to tell them loudly enough. So the Lombardi folks may have been looking at stat sheets or whatever else they're doing, not realizing that Dave has only played a limited number of snaps for Georgia here this year because of how dominant he has been when he has played. He's been able to take an early rest there. But those folks are going to look like fools later on when the Heisman Trophy voters do what the Lombardi Trophy voters didn't have the guts to do. So, Barkalot, I appreciate you sharing, man. A few more here. Down to How about this? So you know that you're getting some traction when you start to see folks in the cosmopolitan mecca of Manhattan, that's where the area code 212 is, uh, who start to also get involved here on the hashtag JDNYC. Uh, Downtown Dog, who apparently must live in New York City, says Jordan Davis in New York City would be the ultimate 212 takeover, and uh, Whiskey American's the great bar up there in New York. I've heard, I've not been to a game there, but I've heard that Whiskey American uh, has some great Georgia watch parties there in New York City. I'll say this very quick, and we're really, really late, but I'm going to say this really quick. One of the coolest things about New York is the fact that there's such a huge collection of whatever you're into, and you think about New York being like the least SEC city in the world, but there's like huge SEC followings for every single school because of the fact that New York's got like 14 million people in the metro area or something crazy like that. There's a ton of Georgia fans that live in New York City, so appreciate the shout-out there from uh, the 212, and uh, you saw a couple of uh, 
key names tagged and all of that. Our buddy, the Honorable J.D. Dogwalker, replying to SportsCenter and our friends at Nissan to do the Heisman House with a hashtag JD to NYC. Appreciate you on that. Tanil checking in to give you a hashtag JD to NYC. Appreciate that, Tanil, there as well. I'm telling you this Jordan Davis of Heisman thing starting to gain some esteem. Deadhead Dog gives you a good-looking Jordan Davis edit with the Heisman Trophy in his hand. That's actually really well done. Chris figures also had that there as well, but uh, the nice tag on the uh, hashtag. That UGA guy also to Sports Center saying Jordan Davis ought to get that Heisman love. Hashtag JD to NYC. The point here is this train has left the station. So many of you out there using that hashtag JD to NYC. I'll tell you this. Next week and in the days to come, we've got some really fun stuff we're going to do to kind of get behind this. It's going to be a great time. So many of you are already out there really making your push run this. And just watch. Watch the way the conversation evolves. National media pays attention to what local media is doing. Local media drives the conversation for national media. You're going to see this gain more traction in the days to come. Uh, pay close attention to that. We appreciate all those great golden shoes here today. Let me also say this real quick before we get ready to go, too. How about our friends at the Finish Long Drink there as well? What a fun thing that is to take with the end of the weekend. As you're, as I said before, our neighborhood, we got like a thousand Halloween things that we're doing. Nothing goes better with that, like, you know, kind of trick-or-treating vibe or those parties and the, you know, the, the get-togethers in the back patios, the front porches and everything else, like my friends at the Finish Long Drink. Four different varieties. The traditional comes in a blue can that's got, like, the grapefruit flavor and, of course, that gin kick that you want it to have. The Long Drink Cranberry, which literally I think that uh, every lady in my neighborhood is now uh, enjoying on a fairly regular basis. Long Drink Strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long Drink Zero, which is good for those of us who are trying to watch our sugar intake, things like that. Uh, that is what long drink is known for. Starting in Finland in the 1950s, in America now, in Georgia. Uh, I'm telling you, they are just killing it in the state of Georgia right now. Obviously, our audience is a big part of, of that. So to find out where you can get it, it's available at golf courses all over the place, bars, beverage stores, everything else, thelongdrink.com. Make sure you check it out today, thelongdrink.com. All right, so busy weekend for us. Kind of gets going right now. We can't wait to see you as a part of it. Obviously tonight, CBS46.com, Petri TV for North Cobb and Walton. Tremendous football game. I tell you, Denial Morissette's a guy that was a little bit banged up at the beginning of the year, the George wide receiver commit. Wasn't playing in some of those key early season games where North Cobb was getting a lot of attention, but he's back from injury now, and with Singleton throwing to him, he's become a huge, huge part of that offense very, very quickly. So if you want to get an idea of what Georgia may look like in the future on the offensive side of the ball. Morissette provides you that. Obviously, Marcus Krogh's killer brew there on the other. So that's fun tonight. Petrie TV, CBS46.com. Of course, tomorrow morning or afternoonish for the Kroger kickoff there as well. We'll show you the dog walk. We'll show you the Georgia Bulldogs as they arrive to the stadium. We'll preview the game against Kentucky. Then after the game, at the UGA Bookstore for the Dog Nation postgame show. A lot of you have been stopping by to say hello to us for that. We certainly appreciate that. We'll see you then. And not too soon to start thinking. Gator Hater Countdown, just 15 days from right now we will see you tomorrow monday for this show but tomorrow in athens dog nation daily presented by kroger have a great weekend everybody all right and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments here both at dognation.com and on twitter at dog nation daily there as well i'm going to bounce through a few of these brian whitehead good enough to share i didn't realize i guess this happened maybe while we we're doing the show or something that Jeff Foxworthy, the uh, obviously legendary comedian, going to be the guest picker for game day on Saturday. Jeff's obviously a big UGA fan and a really terrific guy. So I'm super thrilled that Jeff's getting a chance to do that. Georgia on tap, who's also a, a great Twitterer, 
uh, shares us this from David Hale, respected writer for ESPN. Listen to this stat for Jordan Davis. This is why the hashtag JD to NYC is taken off like wildfire. He says Jordan Davis has played just 35% of UGA's defensive snaps, but when he's on the field, opponents average 2.3 yards per drop back with just two completions of 20 or more yards. Quarterback's been hit on 55% of dropbacks. Meanwhile, opponents average 2.8 yards design run with just two of 10 uh, plus yards and the average of just a 1.09 yards before contact. So essentially, when Dave is on the field, opposing defenses, as according to David Hale and then shared with us by George on tap, opposing defenses are doing nothing. This is terrific stuff and uh, a, a great, great thing from our buddy Georgia on tap right there. Terrific stuff. Uh, Sugar Ray, thanks for the kind words. Frank Palumbo also reminding us that we still have not gotten SEC Country Live yet on a podcast, which we definitely need to. We were heading that direction and just – no excuse. I'm not even going to say anything. Just We were heading that direction, and it got backburnered. But uh, it should not have because it ain't that hard to do. But uh, we got to make sure we get back on the board on that. Uh, Sean uh, shouting out Dan Jackson here, which you'd love to see. Our buddy Bass and Dog – not see you gotta be careful here we have bass and dog who is a renowned tweeter twitterer is it tweeter yeah twitterer uh and you've got our buddy fishing with tiny bass uh so you have a lot of bass themed uga twitter accounts uh this is this is a gata dogs bass and dog who gives you kirby getting out of the helicopter there which is a great uh looking thing fun to see all the way around also nick duke and i like this he's duke duke he's one of our good commenters on dognation.com also gives you the idea that you got to get some of those hashtag jd to nyc signs on sec nation or or uh espn's college game day tomorrow boy i'd love nothing more than to be able to see that how much fun would that be be such a uh, a, a good thing uh justin hobbs always appreciate his great comments mark morris also mentioned the idea that davis wasn't one of the semifinals for the lombardi award this speaks to the just the ineptitude of the people who vote on this stuff more so than it speaks to anything involving davis as the stats that david hale shares shows you this is one of the most dominant football players in the country truly one of the best players in the nation right now impacting the best unit in america to a huge degree and the fact that the lombardi voters don't notice that whoever these people are uh simps though they might be that's more of a of a, an indictment on them than it is anything involving davis himself but strong take from mark morris nonetheless i hope i can see you in athens tomorrow if you're coming stop by and say hello to me before the dog walk we'll usually be right there in that tape parking lot before that in the bookstore after the game second floor uga bookstore for our dog nation post game show presented by the uga bookstore so that'll be a really good thing and of course uh living and dying with every play during the game like the rest of y'all are so it'll be fun stuff. I am so happy to have all of you be a part of that with us. So enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Uh, let's get ready to watch some football, y'all.